Hi, and welcome to this episode of I've Got This Kid. I'm your host, Sharina Williams, licensed speech and language pathologist, the fun therapist, homeschooling mom of two, wife of one, covering everything speech, language, play, development, homeschooling, and all that other great stuff that falls in between. I am elated, astounded, excited, ecstatic, all of that good stuff to be here with you guys all today. Um, The only announcement that we have is that if you have not gotten your copy, your free copy at that of Maintaining a Healthy You, please go do so. I've been getting so many calls and messages at this point from real parents just like yourself who are not having the greatest time this season. Things are starting to get to them and we just have to make sure that we're taking care of ourselves. And I even had to stop myself this week to make sure that I was also giving myself the self-care that I need and deserve in order to be amazing for everybody else and most importantly, amazing for myself. So if you have not done so, please share it, like it, grab your free copy because I want us all to be tooled up, not just for our sugars, but again, for ourselves. So that's all I have for announcements. You guys are amazing. Keep sending in your questions because again, we are better together and I have a fabulous time just connecting with you all. We are in our What Is It series. And this series has been so near and dear to my heart because I get to talk to you guys about everything that I know inside and out about speech and language and diagnosis and all that stuff that matters for so many, but it doesn't necessarily get talked about enough unless there is an obvious problem. And I want to debunk that. I don't want us to wait until there's a problem. I want us to be proactive so we can be in the know. So when our sugars come on the scene and things are coming up, we're like, hey, I listen to this and this falls in alignment with X. Or, hey, I listen to Sharina and that, you know what, that's sounding a little bit like maybe we should get things checked out because you know what, time in any kind of diagnosis and no treatment is a recipe for disaster. And so we want to be, again, as proactive as possible, which is why we're doing this series. And you guys know what, I'm going to make this stuff as fun as possible because I'm a fun kind of woman. And I like stuff to be fun and I like to tool us up in a way that's fun and easy to follow and doesn't come in a 300 page book, but in this 25 minutes with me, y'all. All All right. So today we're going to be talking speech sound disorders. And I just gave you my big old rant and and spill about why we're doing this series. But speech sound disorders, you're going to know by the end of this episode why knowing speech sounds, why speech sound development. Um, is so important, so crucial for our sugars and for us as world changers not to be paranoid again, to be tooled up and in the know about what to be looking for and to make sure that our sugars are on the right track. And so, you know, speech sound delay, speech down, sound disorder. I'm telling you, you might have heard it one way or another. You may have never heard of it at all. And it simply means difficulty producing a sound or putting multiple sounds together. And it looks much different at different ages because for our little sugars, we call it a delay. 
Why is it delayed? Because they haven't met that milestone at that given moment in time. And we'll get into that later. When it becomes a disorder, that means that you have passed that time, right? You have a certain time frame from when you come out of the womb until a certain age in adolescence to where you as a, as a sugar that was a little cute sugar who becomes a big sugar is supposed to have these sounds down. And when you don't have all those sounds down by the end of that time frame, then that's when it becomes a disorder. And so again, a speech sound disorder is simply difficulty producing a sound or putting multiple sounds together. And we use those multiple sounds to create words and we use those words to create phrases and those phrases become sentences and all kind of fun stuff goes into that, right? And so what you guys need to know most importantly is that sugar may have some sounds, but not other sounds. So just because you have a speech sound disorder doesn't mean that you don't have any sounds. That's different. That's a whole different diagnosis. We may get into that, all right? But not today. With speech sound disorders, it's usually a sound that you don't have or a sound that you might substitute. So what I mean by that is instead of you saying cat, you're saying tat. And or you might say cat. Or instead of um, another word that I hear a lot of, dog, instead of dog, it becomes da, or it becomes something completely different because they cannot produce the sound. And that's where the sound substitution comes in, or the sound might get completely left out. And instead of it being substituted for another sound, like going back to that word cat, if you leave it completely off, then it's cat, right? Because it's just the C-A. Or sometimes I'll hear kiddos who are a little bit older and not for the kiddos who are 18 months and under, but a little bit older, maybe it's like khaki or kaka or something along those lines to where they're not necessarily putting that final sound on there or front sound, but it can happen in all sound position of words. And what it does is it makes speech difficult to understand. It makes it difficult for the world changers, us around them to understand. It makes it difficult for teachers to understand and parents to understand and strangers to understand. And you get a lot of, huh? What did you say? Or can you repeat that? Or try say say it this way. And then the parent, you see the parent saying the word and then making the child repeat, but they can't really repeat it because they can't repeat it in a lot of cases because they don't know quite how to. And so it's not something that they have control over in most cases. It's just something physiologically that is happening. And so that leads us to my next point. Why do some sugars have speech sound disorders? Well, there's so many different reasons that you can end up with a speech sound disorder. Some kiddos flat out have speech sound disorders. Nothing else is going on. They just, for whatever reason, have difficulties coordinating those sounds into making words. Or again, they're missing the sound or they just don't know how to produce the sound. They know what the sound is, know what it looks like, but just can't quite produce it. And that's for the older ones. For the younger ones, they don't quite have that level of awareness yet. And again, when they're little and cute, everything is amazing and, and little and cute about them. So. We don't always necessarily notice when they're really young unless it's pretty obvious. But some 
other reasons, right? When we're thinking about speech sound disorder and the reasons why they have it, it could be a tongue tie. And that means that a piece of the skin under the tongue connects a little bit too much, which makes it difficult for little sugar to get that tongue moving. Or it could be the other way around to where they have limited tongue control and they have like a floppy tongue and it's all over the place and they're, you know, using it everywhere and it's it's just not quite coordinated. Another reason could be apraxia. And that is a subject that we're going to get into more next week because it's a pretty big subject and it's worth talking about. And that means uncoordinated muscles. Dysarthria is another reason, and that's weakened muscles, when the muscles can't quite move the way that they need to move in order to get those sounds to turn into words. Developmental are sugars who have the ADD diagnosis, the ADHD, and autism. A lot of times, speech sound disorders come along with that. Not in all cases, in some cases, and a good amount enough to mention, right? Genetics, Down syndrome. Why a lot of times for our kiddos who have Down syndrome, they are a diagnosis of Down syndrome. They have a large tongue or an enlarged tongue. And again, it makes that coordination really difficult. Hearing loss is another reason why, because you're not getting that feedback that you need to hear and you're not picking up on those sounds. And we usually see those noted differences around six months for the kiddos who have hearing loss that they were either born with or it was onset after birth, which means it happened after birth. The final reason is brain injury. Something happened, some kind of brain damage, maybe cerebral palsy, something along those lines where it, again, impacts the ability to coordinate those sounds. And if you notice, I'm using a word over and over and over again, coordinate, 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 coordinate. Why? Because speech sounds are coordinated from our brain to our articulators. You might be asking, what's an articulator? Your lips, your tongue, your teeth, your hard palate, your soft palate, your jaw, your lips, all of that stuff we put together to make sounds that make words. And so usually there's something within every category I just gave as to the why, usually something's off with the coordination. And it's usually our job, speech pathologists, to figure out why so we can create the best plan of care. In some cases, if it's like brain injury or developmental or hearing loss, like we'll know by the time you hit our office. But in a lot of cases, we have to figure out the why. Now, can adults have speech sound disorders? Because you're like, well, Sharita, you're only talking about the kids. And what about the adults? Can't they have them too? I've heard somebody who doesn't sound fluent. They don't sound like they have, you know, great coordination of sounds and, and some of their words I can't understand. Can adults have it? Yes, absolutely. They can have a speech sound disorder. Two main reasons why. One, the disorder was never resolved from childhood. Whatever the cause of it was, was never dealt with. I hear with a lot of adults, tongueless or unresolved tongue ties, things like that, that are pretty easy to be fixed, but they never got it fixed. And at some point they were just like, fine, forget it. And the other reason is brain injury. If you, as an adult, have some kind of brain injury, depending on where it's localized, where it happens, 
then you could end up with a speech sound disorder. And just like with the little ones, it can be treated. It has been treated. Adults get treated all the time for it. It's not uncommon at all. And here's the ring dinger of it all. None of them, whether child or adult, can grow out of it. I get that question so often. They have this speech sound disorder from the parent's perspective. Do I want to invest my time, my energy, and my resources or their time in school or their time outside of school into getting this fixed? They're young, right? And so like everything else, they should grow out of it. They grew out of all of these other behaviors. Can they grow out of a speech sound disorder? They cannot. Again, coordination, right? If you don't know how to coordinate, how will you resolve it on your own? Especially when we're talking about past that delay age, that speech sound delay age, like past that age of three, when we are looking at, they should be pretty intelligible. I believe about 100% intelligible, 75 to 100% of intelligibility should be happening by the age of three, depending on who you're talking to. It depends on which researcher you're talking to. It depends on what therapist you're talking to. It depends on what doctor you're talking to, but they don't grow out of it. And so we have to look at it as a thing like anything else. You correct your teeth if they are misaligned. You correct your eyes if they need glasses, if you don't have 20-20 vision. And so speech sound disorder is the same thing. Like it's the same exact thing. We don't leave it uncorrected because it's just as important as, again, getting your teeth fixed or getting your eye fixed, eyes fixed, or getting a hearing aid or getting anything that you need to resolve something that cannot resolve on its own. Okay. By now you have to wonder, I'm banging on stuff. I'm so excited. I'm like flailing arms. You can tell I'm excited about this. What sounds should my sugar have? When should they master these sounds? You keep talking about there's a time period that it's a delay and then the delay turns into disorder. When does it make that switch? Well, this is simple. You can pull out your pen and paper and write it down or you can go on my show notes and get a copy of this sheet that I'm going to leave in that talks about speech sound disorders. And it's really easy to follow because within each age, It shows the sound that the little sugar should have mastered. And no, it is not my own personal work. I am borrowing it for somebody else for the benefit of you guys. All right. So three years old, we expect our sugars to have the sounds m, p, h, w, b, and n. Four years old. F, t, k, g, y, d. Five years old. J, ch, sh, six years old, l, v, s, ng, and seven years old. Sometimes, again, depending on the researcher, they might even say all the way up to eight years old, th, z, and er. I'm from the school of where I'll give you until seven years old, and I'm like, that's a disorder. We need to fix that. Time waits for no sugar. We want to get it resolved as quickly as possible. The other thing you may have noticed in that is that I didn't say the sound name or the letter name. And there is a reason for that because in speech world, 
We look at sounds, not names. And that's how we put things together by sounds. That's not how we spell it. That's just how we look at it. And we either want to know, do you have it or not? And if your sugar doesn't have these sounds, what are some potential outcomes? What are some consequences? What are some things that can happen if we just kind of do the wait and see? And y'all know if you've been listening to me long enough, we don't wait and see. We don't wait and see. We wait for souffles. We wait for cakes to bake. We wait for bread to rise. You guys, I must be hungry. I keep talking about food. That's funny. <laughs> we don't wait and see. So this is the thing. Some potential outcomes or consequences for not getting it resolved. Difficulty communicating with peers. And you can see this happening pretty early because if you listen to the milestone series, then we know the language boom happens around 24 months and it is literally a boom. New words are coming, new thoughts are coming, new ideas are coming. By the time they're three, they're usually speaking in three or four word sentences frequently, longer sentences than that in some cases. And so if you imagine that with one single word, if it's difficult to understand, let's go to the word cat. And the little sugar is not saying cat, they're saying cat. If they're trying to add words to that, because we can say their language is on point and they are still acquiring the amount of language that they should have, because remember, speech and language is completely different. The number of words you have, your vocabulary, that's your language, but speech, that's your sound. And so Let's say that their language is just fine and they try to say a, a phrase with cat. Uh, but again, it sounds like cat. And it might sound something like this. Cat all out. Right. You might scratch your head a little bit. What did Sugar just say? Cat go out. Another one I hear a lot of pay instead of play. No pay with me. No pay at me. And you see all those sounds get dropped off. And for the untrained ear, you're like, they didn't say anything. They might even be speaking, you know, a little bit babble still, or they may be doing a little bit of stuff. I don't understand them. I can't hear what they're saying, but I simply said, don't play with me. I hear a lot of that where sugars are unable to get the, all those sounds out and turn those sounds into words. And then they start adding on other words, which makes it a whole nother nightmare for you world changers, because you're like, I have no clue what sugar said. And a lot of times families will come to my office and have come into my office and they're like, the child's not talking. My child's not talking. I hear them and they're frustrated and they're not talking. And I keep trying and I ask them to repeat and I show them flashcards. Please don't use flashcards. That is not the way. That is painful. Don't do that to little sugar. They just want to hang out and play. I thought that, that I would throw that in there. But the parent is coming in and they're like, I've, I've exhausted everything. And I hear them and they're mad at me half the time. And now I'm getting a little bit mad at them because I don't understand them. So, you know, a few minutes playing with me on the floor and I'm like, oh, they said this. Oh, they said that. And I'll start writing it down. Not what they said, but the way that they said it. So that way you world changers can take that home and start tuning in to how they're using language while we're resolving the speech sound delay or speech sound disorder. So the difficulty communicating, not just with peers, but also with loved ones, parents, 
It's a real thing and it can become a really big trigger and frustrating. And then the child is perceived as behavioral because they're all always mad or they're, they seem fussy because they're always mad and they're not mad at you per se. They are mad at you, but they're not mad at you in the way that you think. And they're not being behavioral in the way that you think. They just want to be heard and they've been trying and they've exhausted everything that they know to try to get the words out. And it's just not quite happening the way that it's supposed to happen. So you can imagine from their perspective, there's a lot of repeating. A lot of adults who ask, can you repeat that again? Can you say that again? Can you say that again? Can you say that again? And that can lead to them not wanting to say much at all. And then they end up looking like they're delayed in their language or they're missing those language milestones when in fact, again, it might be related to speech. As our sugars get older, we hear them having reading and writing difficulties because when we use words, every time we talk, our brain collects that information. It's like a little computer, big old, well, not a little computer. It's a good computer. And it takes that information and it stores that information. And when it's asked to use that information again, because we use the information from our brain to communicate and to relate to the world around us, when unable to hear the sound the right way, when you store the wrong data, then you produce the wrong thing over and over and over again. And so as kiddos get older and it's time for them to start reading, those pre-literacy skills can be impacted because it's hard to look for a sound that you can't quite hear or you're saying it the wrong way. And so you're usually looking for it when you're starting to read early. You're looking for the word to sound like and to look like what you've been saying and what your brain has been hearing and processing. And so now you can kind of see the importance in that because then when it's time to start writing things down, it goes, it can impact the spelling and the vocabulary and all of those things, or can impact scores on tests. Because if you're writing stuff down, writing words down the way that you have conceptualized them all this time, then, and if it's wrong, then it's going to be perceived as an error when it's not necessarily an error. It's probably related to the speech sound disorder or delay by then disorder. The other last thing that it could be as far as like potential outcome or consequence is the perception of an immature speaker. Because we expect our kiddos to be pretty understandable by those around them by three, four years at the latest, when a sugar has a speech sound disorder and they're older, it makes them sound a lot younger. And it gives the perception that they're a lot younger or less immature when, again, that's not the case. It's just they can't physiologically coordinate those sounds the way that they need to. And so we need to look at ways to make sure that if this is happening, if you know that this is happening with someone, then either point them in the direction to listen to this episode so you don't have to be on the hook for it. That's why I do this stuff. So nobody has to be on the hook who's not a licensed speech therapist to give this information to those around, because these are tough conversations to have. And people can get really defensive when this kind of stuff is presented. It's like a taboo subject, but it shouldn't be a taboo subject. But parents can get really defensive when somebody else says, hey, I think your child has a speech sound disorder. Like, that's not how you want to start off a conversation (laughs) with anybody or interject 
And as a speech therapist who has been trained to have difficult conversations at times, it's not always easy. And so I want you guys out there, if you know a family, point them in this direction to listen to these episodes, which is why, again, I'm tooling us all up. So that's one way you can get help. Another way you can get help is by physically going, whether it's you or someone else you know, to www.asha.org and find a provider that you gel with. You notice I'm not going to say in your area anymore unless, you know, your world is open at this point. If your world is open and the speech therapist is allowing patients to come in and adhering to COVID guidelines, then by all means, go and get some support in that way. Another way you can help, this is hands-on for you, world changer. Try to avoid asking sugar to repeat themselves. Because again, it goes back into they may not physiologically be able to handle repeating the sound or giving you the sound that they want. It's again, something out of their hands. And that's like asking sugar to make their teeth straighten on their own if they need braces or asking them to correct their own eyesight if they need glasses. It's just not the right way to approach things. Get support around that. And I want you to get outside support because I want you to avoid being the fall guy for the speech sound disorder. I want a professional to help you along and provide you the support that you need. And I don't want their speech sound disorder to impact your relationship. Because if you imagine you're always asked to repeat it again or say it again or do it again, then after a while, that could be a little bit taxing on the relationship. You can also reach out to your local school district if they offer speech and language therapy, if they have room on their caseloads, like God bless the speech and language therapists within the school districts. Like if you know one, give them a hug and a high five and don't be afraid to ask them if they need anything like a coffee or something like that, because those are some of the hardest working people that I know. So reach out to your school district, see if you can get a speech evaluation there. Another area that a lot of world changers often overlook and don't even know exists to get this kind of support is local colleges and universities. If your local college or university has a clinic on site, a speech clinic on site, then chances are there are going to be some amazing graduate students with all this fresh knowledge who love, love, love to practice on people with a licensed speech therapist there providing oversight. So reach out to your local college or university if they have a speech clinic on site. And those are amazing because they're usually free or minimal costs. And they usually have the most up-to-date research, the most up-to-date tools, the most up-to-date everything. So don't overlook that as a resource. And finally, if you're going to go through your insurance, I want you to reach out to your pediatrician. Your pediatrician will give you a referral for a speech therapist. You might want to do your homework though on the front end to make sure that your insurance covers speech therapy because a lot of insurances will say, hey, yeah, we cover speech therapy if you had a brain injury. (laughs) So in in that case, and that's not a lot of people's cases, that's probably like not 90% of people's cases and that is not a valid statistic. I just threw it out there. But my point being is that most people have not had a brain injury who have a speech sound disorder. It could be a cause, but it's not the primary leading cause. Again, it's difficulty with coordinating. Sometimes a brain injury can help in that, like can help with that happening, but usually not the first reason why. 
And don't be afraid to get help. Like I've been hearing so much more about like stigma and parents stigma around just getting help, getting support and getting tooled up. I don't want you guys to ever feel like getting tooled up and getting educated and understanding diagnosis is a blow to you. Everybody is dealt a card that they may or may not want to deal with, but your sugar speech sound disorder or any other diagnosis is not a reflection of you. You did not, unless you were just grossly neglecting your sugar, it is very rare that any diagnosis is directly related to the family, to the world changer, to the parent. That doesn't make you any less of a parent. It doesn't make you any less of a person. It doesn't make your sugar any less of a person. You have the most valuable asset right there in your face, and that's your sugar. And it is our responsibility to just make sure that we're getting them the support and nurturing them as best as we can and providing them all the love that they need in order to overcome whatever it is that's brought in front of them. If anything, it gives them a little bit more grit, makes them a little bit more stronger and a little bit more wiser and a little bit more empathetic to other people who may have something maybe not directly related, but something that could be related. So I don't want you guys to feel any kind of way about getting support, asking questions, getting a referral, getting a consultation, whatever you need to do to be successful as a world changer, I want you to just put the whole kitchen sink into it, all right? So that's gonna wrap up today's show. You guys know I always have a wonderful time getting with you guys, talking to you guys, sharing this information, connecting with you, because it is our job to connect, grow, and learn together. So we can be better for our sugars, better educated, better at reinforcing, better at recalibrating our thoughts and better to advocate for their needs so they can do better in this world. So if you have not done so, and if you do have a question, send me a question. You can find me at questions at I've got this And don't forget to tune into past episodes and next week's episode where we're going to talk about what is childhood apraxia of speech, because it is a speech disorder, but it is totally different than a speech sound disorder. And I'm going to share with you why, because sometimes they get a little mixed up and I don't want us to be all mixed up. I want us to be on the right track and be in the know. And if you haven't done so already, please go to iHeartSpeechTherapy.com, download your copy, your free copy of Maintaining a Healthy You because it is there to tool you up. I actually got some feedback from a parent who said, hey, look, my sugars aren't little anymore. I read that book and it was good for me. So, hey, she told me to tell you guys, it is not just an amazing tool for parents with little sugars, but also for parents who have big sugars who are still in the muck of it and just trying to get through. Until the next time, world changers, take care.